welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Uh, we've been doing a, a series on the great book of Ephesians. And uh, it's a great book, written about 2,000 years ago, and it was written by a man named Paul. Now, in this book, he touches on many crucial events and themes of the Christian faith. And uh, one of these very important themes that he touches in his book is simply this, that we have amazing blessings in Christ. Who's ever experienced that? Those of you who are in Christ, have you ever experienced an amazing blessing because you are in him? Yes? A couple of you have. Fantastic. I'm with you. We have all experienced amazing blessings in Christ. In fact, the phrase in Christ appears over 27 times in this book because he wants to remind us, he wants to urge us of all the amazing experiences, all the amazing things that we receive when we put our faith in Christ. And uh, just to remind you, some of these are that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Hope you get a little bit excited about this because these are incredible, incredible reminders. He reminds us that we are chosen before the foundation of the world in Christ, that we are holy and without blame in Christ, that we have been adopted in Christ, that we are accepted in Christ, that we are redeemed in Christ, that we have forgiveness of sins in Christ. We know the mystery of his will in Christ. We have obtained an inheritance in Christ. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit, which guarantees our inheritance in Christ. And you and I were made for his glory in Christ. In Christ. Amazing blessing. I think that's worthy of one clap, just a little clap for God. Amazing, amazing blessings in Christ. Now, that's the first part of the book. In the second part of the book, he basically tells us that we've got it all in Christ, but we can also do it all in Christ. We can do amazing things, that we can live lives that are worthy of our calling. That because of all that we have in Christ, we can do amazing things. We can have great marriages. We can be great parents. Children can learn how to honor their, uh, their parents. Uh, bosses and employers, employees can work together gracefully and lovingly. We can do it all in Christ because of the amazing things that we have in him. Now, that's the first few parts of the book. Now, today we're up to part, uh, chapter 6. And in this chapter, Paul takes a bit of a turn now. He changes tack just, just a little bit. He's mentioned our doctrine and then our duty. And then he goes on to talk about what I'm calling today our defense. Our defense in Christ. Because he's a realist. Paul knows that because, just because we've given our lives to Christ, it doesn't mean that we won't see hard times. It doesn't mean that difficult days won't come. In fact, in his own words, he says, look, guys, the day of evil will come. Difficult days will come. Persecution will come. Fear will come. Doubt will come. Pain, sufferance will come. Just because you've given your life to Jesus, it doesn't mean that we're going to live devoid of these things. But be ready. Be ready for that day. Because there will be times when loving our spouses is going to be harder than ever. We have one of those moments this morning, but we won't talk about that now. There will be days when working for our bosses and working together will be harder than ever. 
There will be times when honoring your parents will be harder than ever. And I, none of you have ever experienced that, I know that. But those days will come, trust me. There will be times when being a parent will be harder than ever. I've got the privilege of being the father of, uh, of four incredible kids. And um, with our first three, I thought that I was super dad. I thought I was the most amazing father in the world. I thought, this is easy. This cape is easy. I should write a book. Because what have people been complaining about? What are they on about? Parenting is easy. You just feed them, they eat. You uh, put them to bed, they go to sleep. It's fantastic. It's easy. It's easy as. But then our fourth came along. <laughs> Basically, when she was about two weeks old, she woke up at about two o'clock in the morning and she started crying. And then she stopped about two years later. <laughs> and she cried, and she cried, and she cried, and she screamed, and she assaulted people. And I, she's actually just recovered from that now. And I know some of you who have worked with her in Victory Kids, you're still recovering, maybe. But, um, you know, for two years, she bit people, assaulted people, slammed people through gates and doors. I mean, we just didn't know what to do with this child. Finally, we got one that took after her, her mum. It was, it was crazy. But... <laughs> We, we did our best with the show. I'm thinking, what, what have I done? This is, this is really, really hard. And then she started talking. And then what do you do with a child when you say, uh, honey, stop that? And she turns to you and says, you stop that. She's <laughs> two years old. Honey, uh, you better not do that. You better not do that. <laughs> but this is the child, the child we're talking about. And she doesn't do things in half. You know, she, she screams and throws tantrums. Uh, but she loves singing. And uh, one day she was singing, and uh, I thought I'd praise her for her singing. It was really cute. And then I said to her, hey, Isabel, take a bow. And she doesn't do things in half. So she took a bow, and she went smack on the floor with her head. <laughs> she went all dizzy, and she stopped singing. I thought, well, that was funny. Uh, now you know how other people feel that you've insulted over the years. <laughs> and um, the other day, though, she was throwing a tantrum at the dinner table, and I did, couldn't stop her. And then I thought, oh, I know what I'll do. Hey, Isabel, take a bow. Oh. And she stopped. But now I know how to um, stop my daughter from throwing a tantrum. It's fantastic. So Victory Kid Workers, have you ever seen her throwing a tantrum? Just tell her to take a bow. She'll, talk, she'll knock herself out. See, it's beautiful. It's easy. Um, but it was hard. It was hard. She's just like that kind of child with her speech. Anyway, so those days will come. Difficult days will come in whatever situation you are in. But take heart. Tired because Paul has written to us an incredible book telling us some of the things that we can do to stand those difficult days that are coming our way. So we're just going to read from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 17. So if you have your Bibles, please read along. If not, you can follow it on the screen. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put um, readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one 
and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is fantastic. Paul here is giving us exactly what we need to do in those difficult days. So we have an enemy that's trying to kill, steal, and destroy all that we have. All those blessings that we have in Christ that we spoke about, there is an enemy out there that wants to try and kill and destroy our marriages, our relationships, our parenting, our effectiveness in our work. But Paul here writes things that we can do. So we're just going to very quickly, for Mick's sake and his coffee, we're just going to very quickly talk about these six things that we need to do to be able to withstand that day. Can we do that really quick this morning? Fantastic. Okay. One of the things that I was going to put a bit of context behind this, when Paul wrote this letter, he was under house arrest. And so he was heavily guarded by Roman soldiers. And uh, he sees the way they're, they're equipped, and he thinks, I know what I'll do. I'll use their equipment as symbols and metaphors to tell Christians how they need to equip themselves for the day of evil. He's looking at the way that they're equipped for battle, and he's saying we can equip ourselves in a similar way. And so one of the things that he says that we can do is simply this. First thing, get the right zips. Fasten the belt of truth. It's not my prop, and I'll tell you why. It's quite obvious it's not my prop. So, but anyway, <laughs> fasten on the belt of truth. Thanks for the belt, Drew. I'll give it right back to you. The belt of truth. Now, when Roman soldiers uh, went to, into battle, they used to fasten a belt, a studded belt. It was studded. And, uh, because they used to wear tunics, so they used to put their tunics in their belt so that they could be ready for battle, ready to fight. That's what the belt meant. And similarly, Paul tells us, to put on the belt of truth. Now, he does this for one main reason. Because one of the schemes of the enemy is to lie to us. He is a liar. In fact, the Bible says that he is the father of all lies. He has been lying from the beginning. And that's the reason why this world is full of lies. So he put on the belt of truth because the enemy is a liar. How many people here have seen that movie, Liar, Liar? Where's Sean Porter? <laughs> he's the best, um, not Ace Ventura, um, what's his name? Jim Carrey impersonator. He's a better Jim Carrey than Jim Carrey. But anyway, there was this, the, the premise of this scene, uh, of this movie, is that the guy couldn't lie. And that's what made it so funny. Because we're so full of lies that somebody not being able to lie is funny. It's ridiculous. That's how much we've been uh, trained into knowing that people do actually lie. Remember that scene when he gets a pen? And he tries to lie about that pen, and he's holding a red pen, and he's trying to lie, saying that it's blue, and he can't. This pen is This pen is This pen is red. And he cries out, oh, I can't lie. And that's the way the devil works. The devil wants to lie to us as well, because he can lie. He is the father of all lies, which is why this world is full of lies. And there are many lies that he wants to fill our heads with. Now, if you're like me, sometimes you do the wrong thing. You sin. And uh, I know that if you're like me as well, you get lied to about that. Some of you may have sins that you've done a long time ago that the devil lies to you about. And he says, God cannot love you because of what you've done. God cannot forgive you because of what you've done. His grace is not enough because of, you, of, what, of what you've done. 
There is no way you fall outside his grace because of, of what you've done. Some of you get reminded of that over and over again. And I'm here to tell you that that is a lie. Now you need to put on the belt of truth and remember what the Word of God says about you. Remember that the Word of God says that nothing can separate you from His love. We need to remember, we need to have that, those truths fastened uh, so they can keep our garments, our spiritual garments together. And remember that nothing, when the Bible says nothing can separate you from His love, it means nothing. No sin, no circumstance, nothing that can come against you, nothing will ever be able to separate you from the love of God. And you need to be able to hold onto those truths. In fact, Romans 8.38 says it like this. It said a lot better than me. It says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Next time you hear those lies, next time you have those thoughts, remember, it is a lie. And fasten the belt of truth securely around you. And remember that nothing will ever be able to separate you from his love. It is impossible. This is God we're talking about. So Paul encourages us, put on the belt of truth. And then he goes on to encouraging us to put on the breastplate of righteousness. They were made of rubber back then. No, they weren't. It's all right. Oh, how's it going? We should have practiced more last night, honey. Oh, sorry, sorry. I just... oh, no, my wife's got a thing for Roman soldiers. What can I say? So I, just, I just aim to please. That's all I do. Anyway, is that all right? Is that okay? There you go. The breastplate. No, it's upside down. What if I just put it down and I'll preach? Hey? How's that? There you go. All right. Now... The reason why they used to wear the breastplate of righteousness is quite simple, is because there are vital organs that, are, you know, they, that we need to protect. And just like soldiers need to protect themselves, we need to protect ourselves with God's righteousness. And one of the reasons we need to do that is simply because Paul remembers how easy it is for us to forget that we've been, right, been made righteous in God. We, are right, we have been given the gift of righteousness. Righteousness is a gift given by God. Never forget it. Wear it like a breastplate. Wear it proudly. Wear it loudly. You have been given an incredible gift of righteousness. Who knows what a resume is here? A resume is when, you know, those things you embellish and make up, <laughs> make yourself sound really good, keeps a record of all the things that you've done, all your qualifications. Well, many Christians do the same thing with their spiritual walk, I believe. They begin to keep a resume of all the good things that they've done for God. All the ministries, all the hard work, all the years of hard toil. And they do that, and they get before God, and they try to win favor with God. And say, God, look at all that I've done for you. Look at all my years of hard work. Look at all my ministry. Look at my, all my sufferings. Look at all my sacrifice. And they keep a spiritual reference. And they think that with that, God is going to give them their approval and their favor wrong. You can't earn your own righteousness. You can't go before God like that. When you, the, the moment you begin to try and earn your own righteousness, that's when you will be taken out in battle. So put on the breastplate of the righteousness that God has given you. Remember that you never earned it. You never deserved it. It is a free gift. It's a free gift from God. Remember that. It is through grace, by faith, 
for his glory. That's what we're talking about here as far as righteousness is concerned. Righteousness simply means right standing with God. And the only way to get right standing with God is through faith, by grace, and for his glory. Never, ever try to get before God and create your own righteousness. Put on the breastplate that he has given you, which is infallible, which will protect you from being conceited and religious. So just remember, you've got this incredible righteousness, this free gift. So remember that. I reckon that we try to develop our own righteousness, it leads to two things only, despair and religion. Because when we try and do things of our own strength and show God how good we are, we'll never be good enough. We'll never amount to be good enough for God. So we'll either, we'll either get really desperate about that, or we may actually believe our own righteousness and become really proud. But when we remember that He has given us His righteousness and just hold on to it, and remember that it is a free gift by faith, through grace, and for His glory. When we remember that, then we'll remain humble and we'll remain grateful. And when you are in a humble and grateful place, that's going to hold you in good stead when the day of evil comes. So remember that. God has given you an incredible, incredible gift in his righteousness. Something else that he tells us to do um, is to put on shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. And he says to wear them like shoes. Now, these are my shoes, so I'm going to hold them far away from me. Now, a good soldier can be clad in absolute incredible armor, but if he doesn't have his shoes, he's not going to get very far. He's not going to fight very well. A cricketer, it doesn't matter how good that he is. Matty Warner, it doesn't matter. He can hit balls at the park. He's been training all his life. He can walk out uh, on the field with his, with his best bat, uh, with his pads, with his helmet. If he doesn't have a box, he's going to come undone. So, same thing with us. We need to make sure that we have all the things that God has asked us to put on. Remember your shoes. And he's saying that as for shoes, when you're putting your shoes on, remember that you carry the gospel of peace. Wherever you go, you carry the gospel of peace. Be ready. Have readiness to share the incredible gospel of peace. And one of the reasons why he does that is because he knows that Christians who are actively seeking the lost, Christians who are actively sharing their faith, will not get bored will not get conceited, will not get selfish. They are too busy seeking out the mandate that God has given them. So remember, if you are feeling like you've been taking out the battle, maybe, maybe this is what you're missing. Maybe you, you just haven't shared the gospel clearly enough or often enough. I remember one time, I think I've shared this story before, I'm not sure, I was at the park and uh, uh, these Mormons came up to me and uh, they started sharing the word of God with me. It was amazing, I was just kicking the ball with my son and they, I love that strategy. They came up to me and said, Oh, hey, um, we haven't been in Australia for long. Uh, can you teach us how to kick the footy? Now, I've got no idea how to kick the footy properly, but I, I taught them, I showed them, and I thought, man, that's a really clever strategy. You know, how to build rapport and, and talking to me. And then, um, then I asked them, So, how long are you here in, uh, in Australia for? And that was it. That was, that was their doorway. They said, Oh, we're here for two weeks because we're here on a mission trip. And then they started telling me all that they believed in. And I tell you, they encouraged me. I told, I don't see bored Mormons. I don't see them complaining about the black and white that they have to wear. 
I don't, hear, I don't hear them complaining about, oh, well, all these bikes again, or you know, they have to wear these tires, all these pens again. I don't hear them. I see them happy, I see them bright, and I see them making the most of every opportunity, even when they're walking in a park and they see a dad kicking the football with his son. And they approach me and say, we're going to take the gospel of peace into this man's life. That is amazing. I think many of us can do the same thing as well. If we're bored, if we're tired, if we're uninspired, it's maybe because we don't have our feet fitted with the gospel of peace. And yes, it is about sharing the word of God, but it's also about bringing the truth of the word of God in every situation. What does the gospel of peace say about parenting? What does the gospel of peace say about every situation? That's what we need to do. We need to be ready to take it in. Paul gives us an incredible example. Um, one, another time he was in jail, he was actually chained up, and uh, he rejoices. He says, this is great. I am in jail. Don't worry about me, guys. I am in jail, and this is great, because what this means is that I am able to take the word of God into this prison. And it makes the most of that incredible opportunity. And because he takes the gospel into the prison, people get converted, and we have an incredible testimony of his freedom. He makes the most of every opportunity. And that's what Paul is urging us to do here. Remember, just like he took the gospel into his prison setting, guys, take the gospel everywhere you go. Take it in, back to your families. Take it back to your workplaces. Take it into your relationships. Take it into your hopes, dreams, and desires. Feet, uh, fit your feet with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. And this will help you stand in the day of evil. Amen? Something else that he tells us to do is to um, have the shield of faith. The shield of faith. This is awesome. I love this shield. The shield of faith. Now, we all know what, what a shield is for. Because it guards us. It protects us. But then he goes on to talk about what it protects us from spiritually. That the shield of faith protects us from the fiery darts of the enemy. And that's a, that's a great metaphor because back in his day, what the um, advancing army used to do, they used to first fire fiery arrows, fiery darts, not just to hopefully injure the enemy, but also to confuse the enemy. And he knows that we have an enemy that also wants to confuse us, and he throws fiery darts at us to try and confuse us and harm us and injure us. So he says, when, he, when the enemy does that, put on the shield of faith, because those fiery arrows will come. That will come in the way of confusion. That will come in the way of grief. Those fiery arrows will be fired at you in the way of doubt. Those fiery arrows will rain on you. They, they will come. And when they come, you need to have the, the shield of faith. You will have the enemy telling you, you're guilty. You are guilty. One of the biggest flaming arrows that the enemy throws at people is simply this. The Bible says that he's an accuser. And he will accuse you. He will accuse you of things that you've done, things that you haven't done, things that you've thought of, things that you haven't thought of. You will feel accused by the enemy. He will say to you, you are guilty. You've let God down. You're not growing enough. You're not maturing enough. You've let others down. Those are the fiery arrows that the enemy will throw at you. He is an accuser. When you, are, when you feel being accused, it's not from God. Don't freak out. God doesn't accuse. He convicts, but he never condemns. 
So remember that. Take out the shield of faith and protect yourself against these horrible arrows that will come your way. And we do that by just trusting God. Just trusting God. And no matter what comes our way, that, that's, that's the best way to hold up our shield of faith. That in every situation, in every circumstance, we may be able to stand in trust and just trust God. Just trust God. I have this, God has just developed this incredible uh, ability for me to trust him in every situation. I so believe in his sovereignty. In the fact that he's got everything under control, every man, every woman, every child, every circumstance, every dust moat is carefully held by the palm of God's hand. And he controls every situation. And so I know that whenever anything happens, whatever comes my way, God is in control. And if it's difficult, if it hurts, if it's hard, I know that God is in control. I hold up my shield of faith and I know that God is in control. And that's what you need to do this morning. If you have fiery arrows coming at you of conviction, of condemnation, hold up your shield of faith this morning and say, God is in control. The doctors might have said this, but God is in control. My finances might I say this, but God is in control. My future might look bleak, but God is in control. God is in control. He has been good. He is good and he will forever be good. Hold your shield of faith because God is in control and God is good and he will turn everything that happens to us for our own good. Not just his good, but his, uh, not just his good, but our good. Hold up your shield of faith when those fiery arrows of accusation come your way. Discern them. Discern them. We have, the enemy has a great scheme in that. Discern that it is an, an, an arrow from the, from the enemy and hold up your shield of faith. The last two, which I'll talk about really quick, um, Paul reminds us to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, every good soldier... We know, it's pretty obvious. Back then, their primary weapon was the sword. <sighs> Call that a knife? This is a knife. And their ability to be able to wield the sword, determine how effective they were in battle, how good they were, how many people they could take out, it determined their very survival. Now, this is, there are two, all these things that he's reminded us about, they're defensive armor. This is, there are two offensive armors that Paul refers to. One of them is the sword, the sword of the Spirit. Now, he said that this is the Word of God. This is the Word of God. We need to be able to use the Word of God in every situation. We need to know the Word of God. Now, let me tell you the main reason why we need to use the Word of God and know the Word of God. Because the enemy knows the Word of God too. And the problem with the enemy knowing the Word of God is that he twists the Word of God. He knows how to change the word of God. So Christian, let me urge you, encourage you, propel you, command you <laughs> to know the word of God because you have an enemy. You have an enemy that knows the word of God far better than you and I ever will. And he will twist and he will turn and he will confuse you by changing the word of God in your head. One of the greatest ways that he does that is by asking us, did God really say that? Have you ever heard that? You feel this conviction. You, you feel like God is asking you to do something and you feel a little excited about it. And then afterwards, you, got, you, you start thinking, did God really say that? Did God, that's what he did with Adam and Eve in Genesis 2. Remember that? Did, did God really say not to eat that apple? 
not to eat off that tree? Did God really, really say that? Did God really say not to enter that relationship? Did God really say to come to this church? Did God really say to start that ministry? Did God really say to not quit my job? I don't know. That's, we, we've got to be careful with those thoughts because there is an enemy out there who knows the word of God. Uh, a lot of us who've been around for a while, we, we know the story of Matthew 6 uh, when, uh, when Jesus gets tempted in the, in, in the, um, in the desert. And the, and, 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 the, and the devil preaches at him. He tells him the word of God. He knows the word of God. But Jesus, leaving us an, exam, an incredible example of how to wield the sword of the Spirit, fights him off with the word of God. When the enemy tells him to throw yourself off this cliff, Jesus says, no, the Bible says, don't test God. When the enemy says, uh, turn these stones into bread, Jesus says, no, the Bible says that we don't live on bread alone. We live on the word of God and every word of the word of God. When the devil finally says to him, worship me, he says, no, the, the Bible says, worship God only. Now, what I find amazing about this, this is Jesus we're talking about. He could have destroyed him like that. With a breath of his nostril, he could have torn the enemy apart right there and then. But he doesn't. Oh, he, he slays him, he destroys him, but he does it by the word of God. Through the word of God. If that's how Jesus fought, how much more should we not fight the same way? When those thoughts come our way, when those circumstances come our way, when those trials come our way, when the day of evil comes our way, how much more should we not rely on the word of God and wield that incredible sword that he's given us and slay the enemy, slay the circumstance by speaking and by knowing the word of God? It's an amazing challenge and example. He could have done it in any way. He could have just flicked his little finger and he would have just been torn to pieces but he doesn't. He uses the word of God as an example to us. And the, the best way for us to do that is, is to practice. To, to know, we've got, got to know the word of God. We've got to understand that you know, it, it takes effort. Just like for a Roman soldier, you know, imagine a Roman soldier never having picked up the sword and then he goes into battle and he just stands there, oh, how do you use this thing? What do I do with this? He'll be taken out straight away. But that's what so many Christians do. They don't practice the Word of God. They don't know the Word of God. They don't spend time in the Word of God. They don't know what the Word of God says. A battle comes their way and off with their head because they don't know how to use the most important weapon available to us, the Word of the living God. And so remember, we've got some incredible, incredible advantages. The day of evil will come. We do have an enemy. I don't want to get all hocus-pocus on you, but this is what this is referring to. Devils, the devil is real. Demons are real. And there is a spiritual battle. And they have incredible schemes. And, and what Paul is saying here, just know those schemes. The best way to destroy an enemy is to know your enemy. So Paul is saying, we have an enemy and he has these schemes. He will lie to you. So fasten the belt of truth. He will shoot fiery arrows of accusation to you. So have the shield of faith ready. You will get bored. You will be disconsolate. You will think, what is it all about? You will be thinking, what do I get out of this? And when you feel that, 
fit your feet with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. That's the antithesis. That's how we overcome. There was one more that I forgot. Oh, yes. There will be times when you will try to win favor and the approval of God in your own strength, in your own righteousness. Never do that. Put on the breastplate of righteousness that he has given you, and that's going to keep you humble, and that's going to keep you grateful. And remember, above all things, to always use the word of God in every situation and to put on the helmet of salvation. That's why I've put them together because I had a helmet here, but I won't get it out now for the sake of time. But he says, put on the helmet of salvation because when, when, the, when the devil twists and lies to us and, and tries to take us out, that's the first thing he attacks. He attacks, attacks us with doubt whether God really loves us, whether God is really for us. Is he really faithful? Are we really, are we really loved by him? Are we really saved? And when he does that, I want you to get in the front foot and use the word of God and know that you are loved. Know what the word of God says about your salvation. Know that the word of God says when, uh, in, um, in, in, first, in Second John, when uh, Jesus himself says, I will lose none of the ones that God has given me. Jesus will never, ever let you go. Remember that your salvation in him is his plan, is his idea. You did nothing to deserve it, and there's nothing that you can do to not deserve it. The Bible says when, when those doubts, those fiery arrows come at you, at you, remember the word of God says that he is the author, and he is the perfecter of your faith. If he is the author, it means it was his idea, his plan, not yours. If he is the perfecter, it means that he will take you to the place where you need to be, which is with him, just like Jesus. He will perfect your faith. If he's the beginning, if he's the end, he's everything in between. All we need to do is to co-labor with him, keep our eyes on him, keep our faith in him, and persevere with him. He is the author and perfecter. Remember those. Remember what the Word of God says about those situations. When you have those doubts, and say it and pray it, think it. Even say it out loud if you need to. I don't care what you need to do, but turn to the Word of God in those situations. For most people, I think, not, not, not for all of you because I know some of you, for most people, streaking is a horrible idea. Like I said, I know some of you, so I was going to say most people. For some of you, it'll be a dream, dream come true. Who, who would, no, don't, don't show me hands. <clears throat> who would find streaking in a public place? A really horrible thing to do. Some, some people have got nightmares about that. I only did last week at prayer meeting, but that's another story. Some of you were there. Sorry, for those of you, that's, that's, I shouldn't, say, shouldn't make reference to people, people don't understand. Last week when I was uh, leading a prayer meeting, I did it with my fly undone. We, we do literally like to expose ourselves here as preachers. And uh, Sorry, I know. Sorry. But no, no, but that's, you thought that was bad. What was really bad is that I'm leading prayer meeting for, you know, I'm going for about 10 minutes, you know, trying to wow everybody with my revelation and conviction, and nobody said anything. I could tell people weren't listening. That's not rare, though. And I'm thinking, why are they listening? And then I just felt the God just, just say, check your fly. Seriously. I just, anyway, so I checked my fly and. Um, and that, that was horrifying enough. But I can imagine, imagine streaking in a public place, in an in in arena, Rundle Mall, whatever. That'd be horrifying. Who'd be, who'd be grossed out, absolutely embarrassed, put out by that? Most of you would be. 
my concern is that there are many, many Christians who are spiritually streaking throughout their lives, throughout their walk. They don't put on the things that God has asked us to do. Yes, they get dressed in the morning, but spiritually they streak through their Christian walk. Yes, they get their salvation, but that's not enough. God wants so much more. He wants your faith. He wants you to get involved in the battle and be ready and be equipped and put on the full armor of God that you may be able to count, that you may be able to fulfill the plans and purposes that He has for you. He wants to equip you. This equipment is all that you need. Don't rely on your power. Don't rely on your strength, but look to the things that He's asked us to put on. And let's stop streaking spiritually. Maybe that some of you are going through situations right now. And all that I'm hoping out of this talk this morning is that maybe, maybe you consider, oh, well, perhaps, perhaps my problem is that I haven't lifted the shield of faith. I've, got to, I've done everything else. I know the word of God. I know that I'm righteous in him. I know, but maybe I just, I've just got to work on my faith. Maybe that's you this morning. Or maybe, maybe you know you've done, you, you're very faithful in God, but you just don't know what he says. <laughs> you don't understand him. So maybe you need to just get to the word of God and get into some hardcore study. I don't know. Mate. I, I, I'm just hoping that you, you, you weigh up your walk right now and consider the things that you've not put on yet and say, okay, Lord, thank you for speaking to me this morning and I'm going to work on this area of my life. And if you are totally spiritually naked, hey, doesn't matter. Put them all on. They're all there. God is there. He's willing. He's available. And he wants to equip you. Just like the Roman soldiers were equipped with their incredible armor, God wants to equip you for faithfulness, for effectiveness, and for fruit in your life. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And God bless.